Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast. This is a conversation with MedTech leaders who have succeeded in Latin America. Welcome to another episode of the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast. Today we have Dennis Jacob, VP, Deputy Chief Compliance Officer, Arthur Picks. Dennis has over 15 years of business experience, mostly with being publicly traded large multinational companies and working with international teams on functions related to finance, business, legal, manufacturing, ethics, compliance, and audits. Dennis is now the VP, Deputy Chief Compliance Officer for Orthopix, which is an, uh, an American medical device company with over 900 employees with locations in the U.S., Italy, Germany, France, the U.K., Brazil, Australia, and Puerto Rico. The company's products help patients in over 70 countries around the world. Dennis, thank you for being on our show. It's great to have you here today. Thank you, Julio. My pleasure being here. Thanks for the invitation. Always a pleasure. Awesome, Dennis. All right, so let's get started with the interview today, Dennis. So could you please tell listeners about your journey to Latin America? In other words, how do you get involved with the region? Sure. I think describing how I got involved with Latin America is describing my own history to a certain extent because I was born and raised in Brazil in Sao Paulo. So I have actually lived most of my life there is to have family in Brazil and lots of friends there are also in other parts of the region. So very connected with the region. And uh, from a career standpoint, I started my career in Latin America. So I went to dental school for a couple of years. That was my first choice of college. And uh, after some time, I decided to make a change there and go to the business school instead. And uh, then I started with my career on a banking side. So I went to work for Citibank for a couple of years, left Citibank, went to Deloitte to work in public accounting and external accounting in Brazil as well. And after a couple of years working in finance, I was invited to join BD, Beckton Dickinson, and I joined as in a position of a internal audit in Latin America. So with that opportunity, I had the chance actually to visit most of the countries in Latin America and perform audits on the financial, operational, compliance, and other sides of the business in the region, which was very nice for me to learn about all those different aspects of uh, how organizations perform business in the region. After some time at BD, I was invited to join Covidian. Covidian is now part of Medtronic, but back then was a separate company. And uh, I was hired by, by Covidian and I started their compliance practice in South America in a position of channel compliance manager. And it was very interesting to launch this and work a lot with distributors in Brazil, Chile, and Argentina, particularly trusting like uh, compliance matters and working in partnership with a channel manager as well. So very close with the business initiatives there. I worked with Covidian for, for some time, and then I joined back BD. BD was starting a, an international compliance group, and I was hired as a senior manager for Latin America, and I helped BD launch their compliance program there, also with, with distributors and other partners as well, but not only with that, but a lot of work related to engagements with healthcare professionals and other high-risk consultants in the region. After a couple of years in BD Latin America, I was promoted and I took responsibility also for Canada and Western Europe. And more recently in 2015, I was promoted to a global position and I relocated to the United States and uh, where I became director of international compliance for BD. I worked for BD until January this year. And in January, I joined uh, Ortofix here in Texas as their VP 
and Deputy Chief Compliance Officer. Fantastic, Dennis. What an interesting background you have. <laughs> so, Dennis, the next question that I have for you is, what about your overall perception of Latin America as a market to commercialize medical technologies? In other words, what would you say to new companies or to companies in general who are new to the market, who are thinking about expanding their foothold in Latin America? Well, Latin America, I think, first of all, is great potential as a market. Like we're talking about countries like with the good size of population like and big size in towns like Brazil and Mexico, others like in the middle size like Colombia, Argentina and Chile. So it's a very great potential as a market for those companies. And also if we think about like the trends we're seeing in healthcare today, they also apply to Latin America. Populations living longer, so we have a, like an older population that's going to require more support from medical device technologies. We also seen actually an increase in sometimes the investment in those areas. A look for new technologies because governments in every part of the globe have restrictions on their budgets, and I think like all of us, and they're looking to ways of how can we improve healthcare for the population and how can you use technology to do this at a more affordable cost. So Latin America definitely an attractive place for companies to come. But also on the other side, and we always need to be aware of that, is not an easy place sometimes to make business. And that's where it requires a lot of like help from local companies and local partners that can help you navigate some of the challenges of doing business in the region like Latin America with complexity and sometimes different levels of maturity from the country or from the government or from the requirements. So very attractive, but it needs like a, a little bit of assistance to navigate some of those challenges. Well said. Yes, I agree with that. Well, let's get a little deeper, Dennis. What was your strategy that the companies you work for use in Latin America? In other words, were they opportunistic? In other words, were they waiting for the shooter to contact them? Or they had a very well thought out and offensive position towards the market where they put together a business plan for every country or a market access plan for every country they wanted to enter? I cannot comment specifically about like my company now or my previous companies, but I can talk about my experience and the things I've seen in the market. The things that I've seen uh, working more successfully is always like a, a more organized plan. So like, uh, as I mentioned before, we have different countries in Latin America with different levels of maturity. So for new companies, historically, what I've seen in the marketplace is companies going relying more on distributors and channel partners in the region, which makes more sense, especially for a new entrant in the market. When you talk about more mature companies in, in a country, if they already have a physical presence, what I've seen is a more like of a mixed model, and that applies to most of the, the mature markets. So normally what I've seen is an evolution, like starting with an interact model, and then go into a mixed model and hybrid model, but always with a plan. So like uh, definitely you need to know exactly what you expect, what kind of like uh, role this partners will have for you. Otherwise, like uh, given that's a country with a high level of complexity, you can get yourself in troubles if you don't know exactly what to expect, what kind of partners you're going to select and how you're going to measure success in the work with those partners. Okay, well said. So in other words, what would you say is the predominant way of conducting business in the region? Or what exactly have you seen from your experience? A hands-off management distributor strategy or a hybrid where the company is based in the U.S. 
or Europe and has a local agent to help distributors push sales and generate demand? I would say like uh, in the major markets like Mexico and Brazil, definitely a hybrid. I see this uh, very clearly in emerging markets in the region like Colombia that's becoming more and more relevant in the last, let's say, 10 years. I'm starting to see that as well. In other markets, still like a presence where you see more distributors operating more independently without like direct assistance, but it's more like a overall and you have companies that are differently operating different models depending on the size of the company in those markets as well companies that have a bigger presence they tend to go more direct and other companies are starting or have a smaller presence they tend to go more indirect or like a more hands-off approach so it's kind of like a mix but it depends on the size of the market how long that company has been operating the market how mature the company is there but it's definitely a hybrid model okay Excellent. All right. So let's speak about regulatory approvals in Latin America, Dennis. What about the speed of getting a product clear through the regulatory agency in different countries in the region? What's your experience or what's your perception about that? Well, it's not my like a specific area of expertise, like, uh, but of course, I work very closely with, with colleagues in other companies, in my own previous companies, in regulatory areas. And then, of course, it's not optimal. We, we have some countries where I have some like much faster processes, like I think Chile is one of those examples where you have like a very streamlined process. And you have countries like uh, Brazil, where we still have some work to do. And we see some like... Uh, interest from governments as well to become less bureaucratic or to become more supportive of business initiatives and at the same time protecting of course patients but at least leveraging what's been done in other countries like with the new the election of new president in brazil we've been hearing quite a few things in that direction and hopefully we're going to see this materializing in the future but i know there's been dialogues going on between visa and other regulators the same thing we're, we're being hearing in mexico but overall if we look at Latin America as one region, it's still like a slower process or sometimes a more complicated process just because of some bureaucratic steps that we still have to follow. So there's definitely space for improvement there, but it's getting better. But um, still, I think we can always work to be better to make sure we do follow all the steps and we get safe products in the marketplace, but also with a process that's more organized and more efficient. Excellent. All right. So what about... Finding distributors, Dennis, what do you think is the best practice to find distributors or what have companies you work for in the past done in, in this regard? Well, I think I have a structured vision of what you want. And I think that's the key thing. Like not only selecting a distributor, of course, all companies that want to make sales, you want to grow your business, but you need to be a little bit deeper than that. How you want to do that, get back into your strategy and understand exactly what's good for that market, what works for that place. And then you're going to be able to start like looking into the right partner. So before you even start looking for the partner, you need to know exactly what you want. Once you know exactly what you want, what kind of partner you need, that's when you start like looking and assessing companies based on their proven experience, based on their capabilities, based on their infrastructure, of course, based on their compliance mindset and their ethical culture, because it's like uh, some companies in the past didn't pay that much attention. And I think now everybody realized, and, and, and I'm very happy with that. I work with compliance, of course, that when you look for partners that share the same ethical values as our own company, so we can do business with this very strong foundation. And I think once we got all of that, then we need to work with those partners in a shared vision. So we need to, to share what's 
good, what's the definition of success for those two companies? So we need to be something that work for both sides. So more like in the formula, I think it's more about like aligning those partners with your strategy, where you want to go, what kind of capabilities they have, and if they don't have, if you could develop this together. So once you do that, I think that's key. And the way to find those partners, there's so many different ways. Normally, one way that I suggest is working with uh, local interest associations. We have lots of them. We have Amin, we have um, Abimad, we have different others in different parts of the region. I definitely recommend working with them because they're like a great resource to put your company in contact with companies in the local market, at least to start having that conversation. Okay, excellent. So you basically recommend using the services of a third party to help search and identify those distributors. At least to put you in contact with, with some of them. Like if you don't know anything at the market, definitely like getting somebody in the marketplace that knows and have those relationships, I think definitely can be helpful. So connecting with, uh, with somebody that you know, or even like the, the trade association there can help you to get this first step in there. And once you start developing those relationships, things just becoming more natural. Okay, sounds good. All right, what about demand generation? Have you ever been involved in strategies and tactics to generate demand from the end user perspective to the distributor? Well, like that's not normally where like a compliance team gets involved directly, but it gets involved in supporting those initiatives. And I see this, and what I see more effectively is actually working from a, in the market point of view. So looking what kind of like a met need that market has, like what kind of like solution that specifically government or state is working to help the population. So what's affecting that? region so you can understand exactly what's the need of that market and what kind of solutions you can provide and then it becomes pretty much a gap assessment you know what's needed there and you know what you have to offer and now of course you need to work on generating awareness for what kind of solution you have and i think even on which goes very much together with demand generation those days is how affordable those technologies are for those markets and how can you prove the benefits of those technologies so in the past like um, the discussions were not always very structured but right now like there's a very clear understanding and interest for the health economics of new solutions so i think for demand generation training awareness and definitely a very strong support in clinical data and health economics are very key to be able to promote any kind of like a medical device product in the industry in Latin America. Yes. Okay. So moving along, Dennis, what about pricing? I mean, what do you think Latin America is comparable to other regions around the world in terms of price sensitivity? Well, it's hard to compare exactly. Of course, there is a price. It's very, very sensitive to prices in Latin America because we have a very tight budget in most countries. Like the region hasn't been growing as like we would like in the last couple of years in terms of GDP when you look. So governments are under a lot of pressure. But I don't think this phenomenon is in any way exclusive to Latin America. I think that's what we're seeing everywhere. So price is definitely a big thing. And also, when you think about the way we do business in Latin America, most countries, they do business through governments, or at least government-funded institutions, and then we have to deal with tenders. And tenders normally are driven by price, 
course, you can have other elements like quality and some specific functionalities of product, but price is a big thing. So definitely Latin America is very sensitive to price, even more than other regions. And that where actually the legal environment sometimes uh, connects with the business world, because like we need to understand exactly how those tender laws and tender requirements operate in certain countries so we can navigate them properly and to make business uh, with adequate prices. Otherwise, like either we're not able to do business or we make business that are not very profitable. So like companies need to definitely understand exactly how the markets are organized, how the markets operate, particularly on the tender side. And sometimes like now, especially now with consolidation in the marketplace that's going on in Latin America as well in other parts of the globe. Okay. What about reimbursement? What do you think about the reimbursement landscape in the major countries in Latin America? Well, historically, reimbursement has not been sufficient. I think that's something that we can see clearly in this discussion. It's always like part of like a, a challenge that business have and how to supplement this reimbursement is always another part of the challenge. So like I know there's several discussions with governments and how can we make sure reimbursement is happening at an adequate rate. But at the same time, like there's a big misunderstanding about medical inflation specifically because sometimes it doesn't connect with inflation overall. So I think there's a lot of conversation and communication that has to happen between government, regulators, companies, uh, physicians, patient associations so we can understand better what's required and what's the right level of, of reimbursement so we can make sure we have those technologies available in those markets as well. Okay. Excellent. Well, moving along, Dennis, there's another topic that I'm sure is um, very important to a lot of U.S. companies, which is shipping and importation of devices to Latin America. So what do you think about it? I mean, is it easier? Is it hard? Uh, is it fast? Convoluted? I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think first thing, Latin America is a big region. I think that's one thing sometimes people underestimate. So when I tell sometimes people that to fly from Sao Paulo to Mexico City takes me about 11 hours, some people get very confused about that because they think it's a very, the region's a lot smaller. So just from the logistics standpoint, it's already a very big region. We have access to both the Atlantic and the Pacific ocean so it's already a logistic challenge there so shipping and importing latin america is, is not, not an easy thing just by definition so on top of that we have a series of regulatory barriers there and a series of like bureaucratic barriers as well that makes the, the process even more challenging and bringing this even to my area of expertise in compliance we have a big risk there like uh, just like dealing with brokers and customs and like uh, any kind of like uh, of a um, toll gate like this brings always like a, a potential risk related to corruption or bribery or anything like this. So whenever we have all those multiple hurdles in the process, it brings sometimes risk. And we see this in Latin America, which either like it may cause compliance risk or cause delays. And those delays, of course, affect the entire supply chain and products end up getting to the other side, either like with a much bigger lead time or in a much higher cost than companies would like to. And of course, this end up like resulting in less access to products from patient side. So I think we have a lot to improve in the region from the logistics standpoint and particularly from the and governments could work to on efficiency there, but also companies can help. So that's, I think, one of the areas where we can definitely like uh, hopefully be more efficient in Latin America. Well said. Okay, moving along to the topic that I understand is the center of your work, 
which is the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act of 1977 or FCPA. What do you think about this? And what, what do you think about corruption and bribery in Latin America? Well, I think um, if we just follow the news, like uh, we see a number of cases and, and like uh, corruption cases are not uh, like uh, something that we don't hear in Latin America. We hear quite a bit and, and probably a lot on this. And then just reflecting my own career, when I started working in the compliance department back in 2009, people normally used to see me as the crazy person. Like, are you crazy? This is the way business is made. This is how companies make business. And no, 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 no. It doesn't have to be like that. We can change that. We can make business in the right way. And discussing this with several different people, saying, no, no, we're going to change this. And I was very pleased and very glad about my own experience because I've been able to work with very good companies and great partners and change this perception. And of course, we've seen lots of companies getting in trouble in many different parts of the region. We have seen several public cases. We have like the car wash operation in Brazil. That's not only in Brazil anymore, because parts of this is already spreading in Latin America. Right now, we have more than 12 countries involved in the car wash operation. Uh, we have several new laws, local laws. They're very similar to the FCPA. And, uh, and we have very strong cooperation between governments. So we have like the U.S. government and other governments around the world cooperating a lot with Brazil or the U.K. or Peru and Argentina and other governments in the region. So very strong enforcement, definitely a lot of cooperation there, big risk for companies. But at the same time, in the way I see it, a business opportunity to companies as well, because for those companies that are doing the right thing, they are making the right investment and doing the business in the right way, that can be a big differential, a big, big differential from a business standpoint, because customers definitely want to work with companies that follow the law, that do the right thing. They're ethical. They have a very strong and ethical behavior. So for the companies that are doing the right thing and want to invest in that, I think I see this as a great opportunity to differentiate from other players in the market that are not so interested in playing by the rules. So it can either be a big risk and a big problem, but it can also be a big opportunity for those companies that are like willing to do the right thing. Sometimes it may take a little bit more time to get some things done, but if you really follow the rules, like in the long term, it pays back for sure. Excellent, Dennis. Are there any other areas that we haven't mentioned that you think are worth uh, speaking about? I think we, we mentioned most of this. Like, uh, I think generally as trends, I think we discussed, quite, I mentioned a bit of the consolidation of the channels we're seeing in hospital systems. Definitely compliance, I would say, is the one trend we're seeing affecting a lot. Not only healthcare, but definitely healthcare in the region. And I think it's going to continue to be like this. And the search for efficiency and the use of technology there. I think uh, if I could summarize in those three last topics, I think that's what I'm seeing. Definitely like a, a big change in the business mindset. So I used to see a much more transactional business model. And now we're moving to something a lot more strategic. So we're like companies are looking for strategic partners that share the same vision and share values as well. So it's a lot more uh, connected than it used to be in the past. And uh, we have like those stronger partnerships. But that also requires a very strong shared vision, strong capabilities, and all that should be supported on a foundation of ethics and compliance behavior to avoid those bumps along the road. Excellent. So, Dennis, before we close, are there any major trends above what you just mentioned 
that are happening in Latin America that are relevant to our discussion. In other words, what do you see as the future of Latin America in the commercialization of medical technologies in general? Is it a bright future or an ugly future? No, no, I think it's a bright future. It's not an easy one, for sure. Like, I think there's a lot of work, but it's definitely a, a bright future. I see, like, uh, as I mentioned before, like uh, this search for strategic partners. And I'm not only talking about distributors and manufacturers. I'm talking about hospitals. I'm talking about labs. Like, uh, companies are definitely looking for those partners to be a lot more present on the elaboration of strategies. So companies really need to work together. And I think that's the one training I'm seeing with a consolidation that we've seen in hospital systems and everything else. So a lot of consolidation, but at the same time, a much stronger partnership between companies. And for that to happen, like uh, you really need to be able to trust and to rely on your partner. So that's why I mentioned before as well, not only because I work directly with that, but because I really trust in this, that like uh, compliant companies and ethical companies would definitely going to have like a, a competitive advantage because they're going to be able to be more attractive to those partners and partners will be willing to do business with those companies based on the much higher standards than only like a focus exclusively on price. Price is always going to be an element of any business partnership, but it is not going to be the only one. It has to be part of like a much bigger discussion okay very good so before we finish our episode today dennis you have any final thoughts or recommendations for listeners well i think i'll bring this back to my world it's going to be on the compliance and ethics side so i think this is not only like a, a trend but it's a change on the way companies are like uh, experienced like a uh, and how they should be doing business. Like following the law should, should not be a change. Companies should always be doing that. And I think the change we're seeing right now is not only like a, the expectations, not only following the law and doing the minimum required there, we've seen like a big change. And we can see this in a number of public cases, not only in healthcare, about ethics and how ethical behavior is driving consumer perception, patient perception, society, shareholders, and everybody. So definitely like the need of a stronger understanding like uh, how important it is ethics and compliance for companies, especially when you're like looking for new partners or new business. I think that that's the key and the last message that I leave because once you have that incorporated into your business model, that becomes very natural and very sustainable as well. And then we can go back and fix the other issues related to imports, exports, or regulations. And all of that become a lot more clear because we don't have to worry about like uh, other elements there that should be like part of our foundation, like doing the right thing. Excellent, Dennis. Well, that concludes our episode today. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation to speak today in the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast. And I look forward to a follow-up conversation with you sometime in the future. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Julio. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you.